Have you ever had an experience like uh, what we saw in the small group video where perhaps you were in charge of a meal and uh, instead of people bringing what they were supposed to bring, they brought whatever they felt like bringing? Have you ever had that happen to you? Or perhaps you've been uh, involved in leading a children's ministry and you're there leading the children's ministry and it seems like all the other parents are also trying to lead at the same time. Have you had an experience like that? It doesn't work out very well, does it? We've got a saying for that. Too many chefs spoils the soup. You can't have everybody leading at the same time. And that's because one of the most important elements in community, if community is going to be successful, we must have submission. The idea that our jobs, if we're going to be in community and engage with one another, is to be willing to recognize that God has called others to lead at times and that we are to follow. No small group, no church, no community can exist without some level of submission to others. And so this morning we look at our 10th commandment of community, submit mutually. So if you have your Bible, turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, it's page 829 in the Bibles the church provides. And just like we're wrapping up our small group video series, it's because we're wrapping up this series in the book of Ephesians. Now we're going to keep going in the book of Ephesians. We've got more to do. But this sort of mini-series in the middle that we've been calling the Ten Commandments of Community comes to a close today. And as you can see on the wall over here, we have progressed through ten different things that God says will make us successful in any relationship, but especially within the context of the church. We've looked together at the command to talk truthfully, to manage anger carefully, to share generously, to speak encouragingly, to forgive compassionately, to love sacrificially, avoid idolatry, be light constantly, walk spiritually, and this morning we look at the command, submit mutually. Look in verse 21 of Ephesians 5 as I read it. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now we're only studying one verse this morning, but we're going to study it in some depth, beginning with the word submit. What does this word mean? It's a loaded word. It's not a popular word, and there's lots of misconceptions about what exactly this word or idea is, in part because of its close connection to a related word, the word obey. And so what I want to do this morning as we talk about submit is to first think about it in relation to the word obey. They're not the same word. They're similar but there are some differences. And so if I was going to sort of diagram the relationship between these two words, obey 
and submit, what I would say is there is some overlap between them, but they are separate words. So like in the video, we wouldn't say that the small group members disobeyed Tim and Jan when they all decided to bring dessert. But we would say they seem to not submit to their leadership. They seem to not be following their leadership. And that's because when you think about obey and submit, obey really has more to do with responding to a specific command or request. Submit, on the other hand, has more to do with our relationship with people. So let's start with obey and the idea there in white. Obey is really doing what you are told to do. So for example, if you go to work this week and your boss says to you, I want you to turn in a status report on your project by Friday, and you turn in a status report on the project by Friday, you obeyed. You did what you were asked to do. That's what the word obey means. Now, if you go all the way over to the other side of that diagram, where we're thinking about submit, submit has much more to do with our relationship to a person. It's following the leadership of another or being under the authority of another. So think about your job again. When you got that job, you submitted an application. What that means is, is you were willingly placing yourself under the leadership and authority of the hiring committee or the person who would be hiring you. What that means is not that they gave you a whole list of tasks to do, as much as it is they were leading the process and you were following. If they decided it was going to take four months to go through the interview process and there would be three or four different interviews, it was your job to follow their lead. That is submitting to their leadership. And that's why we say obey really has more to do with our response to a command or something we're asked to do, while submitting has more to do with our relationship to a person or a group of people who are responsible for leading us. Now, you can see from the, gra uh, the graphic that there is some overlap, that there is some overlap. These are related words. There is some connection. So if you took, for example, the idea of church discipline, when somebody has fallen in sin, they submit themselves to a process of church discipline whereby a group of godly men and or women are brought alongside to gently restore that person. Now in that process, there may be some things that that church restoration committee asks the person to do like come every Thursday to a meeting at seven o'clock for the next six weeks. Well, there's an aspect of obedience that goes with that. But there's also a sense in which the person who has stumbled is submitting to the way in which this committee is leading. So if the group takes a while to go through the restoration process, the person who submits to them is simply trusting. Trusting this is the right way to go. Trusting that they're going to restore me gently as I go through the process. 
And so we see there is some overlap between obeying and submitting. But in general, obedience has more to do with responding to a specific request or command. And submission has more to do with our relationship to a person and to those in leadership following their lead. Now, one other thing that might be helpful in trying to get a grasp on the word submit is to recognize its connection to the ideas of humility and pride. 1 Peter 5.5 says, In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. The communal version of humility is submission. Likewise, if you have a proud individual, when you put that proud individual into community, that will result in no submission. Because the proud individual will be looking at whoever's been placed in a leadership position and will be sitting back thinking, I could do a better job. I know better which way we're supposed to go. This person doesn't have any idea what they're doing. They're not qualified to do this. And pride, when it shows itself up in community, results in a lack of submission, an unwillingness to follow anybody else's lead. Humility, on the other hand, when it manifests itself in a communal environment, it shows up as submission. Because the humble person recognizes God has gifted people differently than he's gifted me. God has called other people in ways he hasn't called me. God's put other people into leadership in a way he hasn't put me right now in this particular situation. And the humble person says, well, I'm going to, I'm going to follow where they're leading. So if I was going to define submission for you then, this is the definition that I would use. To submit is to humbly recognize another's God-given authority and follow their leadership. To submit is humbly recognizing another's God-given authority and following their leadership. Paul says, submit. Now, to who are we submitting? Notice verse 21. Submit to one another. To one another. Now we recognize that one another, as I said last week, that's Paul's language for community. He's specifically talking here about a church, about a small group of Christians. And he's saying, submit to each other. Now, what does that mean? Well, it can't mean that everybody is submitting to everybody else at the same time. That's a recipe for disaster. It's like we said at the beginning, too many chefs spoil the soup. God didn't set it up where everybody's in charge at the same time. So this verse, when it says submit to one another, doesn't mean everybody submitting to everybody else at the same time. What does it mean? 
Well, I think we get some insights into what it means from 1 Corinthians 16, which is another passage in which Paul uses the word submit in the context of the church environment. He says to the church at Corinth, you know that the household of Stephanus were the first converts in Achaia, and they have devoted themselves to the service of the saints. I urge you, brothers, to submit to such as these and to everyone who joins in the work and labors at it. Notice what Paul is saying here. He's not saying there's just a select group of individuals that everybody's supposed to submit to. That is true in this case, but it's also true that anybody who's willing to join in the work, anybody who wants to be part of God's kingdom, anybody who wants to labor, can be a person who you and I should follow their leadership of. So when Paul says submit to one another, he doesn't mean everybody submitting to everybody else at the same time. He means anybody can be in a position of leadership whereby you and I should follow their leadership. That there's nobody in this room this morning who is a Christian that we could be able to say, no, 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 I don't follow their leadership. If you're here, and you're willing to labor for God's kingdom, you can be in a position of leadership and we can be in a position of following your leadership. For example, Lisa and I are in a small group. Our whole family is actually in a small group. But we're not the leaders of the small group. There's another couple who is leading our small group. What that means is, when Paul says submit to one another, They've accepted the call to serve God in this way, to serve God as leaders in a small group. That means it's my job and Lisa's job to submit to their leadership. It, has no, it doesn't matter that I'm the senior pastor of the church. That has nothing to do with anything. Paul says, submit to anybody who is laboring according to God's kingdom. So that means when the leaders of our small group, if they decide we're going to study this book of the Bible, I don't have the authority to come and say, no, we're not. We're going to do something else. Unless they're asking us to do something sinful, unless they're asking us to do something that is against God's will, our job, according to Ephesians 5.21, is to follow their leadership. That's what submit to one another means. It means anybody who is serving God, can be placed by God in a position where others should follow them. So if you're in your, in, your, in your small group, and maybe you're the leader and you ask another couple, would you be in charge of the prayer time for the next six weeks? What that means is, is when it's time for them to lead the prayer time, you should follow their lead. You should submit to their leadership. It means here in the larger church context, if the people who have been tasked with the worship service here at the church ask Andy Crowder if he would lead us in worship, it means that when he's asked to lead in worship, we follow him. If he asks us to stand, we stand. If he asks us to sing, we sing. It doesn't matter what our position at the church might be. It doesn't matter what our background. We are submitting to a person who has been placed in a leadership position. That's what Paul means when he says, submit to one another. Not everybody submitting to everybody else at the same time. 
It means that anybody who is laboring for God's kingdom can be placed by God in a position in which they should be followed. Now, why? What's our motivation for submitting to one another? Paul could have given us a whole bunch of different motivations. He could have said, submission makes community work. That's true. It's absolutely true. He could have said, submitting to one another, that's a healthy way for individuals to interact with each other. It's not a hierarchical structure. It's a submitting to one another. Also true. He could have said, you know, you will someday be in a position where others will need to submit to you. And if you don't treat them how you want to be treated, well, God's not going to be happy. Also true. But he doesn't choose any of those as the motivations for why we should should submit to one another. Instead, he goes for something much deeper and much more important. Look what he says. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Not because it's in the community's best interest, though it is. Not because it's in the other person's best interest, though it is. Not because it's in your best interest, though it is. Because it's in Jesus' best interests. How so? Well, today's Palm Sunday. And there's two things about Palm Sunday that help us understand what Paul means when he says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. The first is that on Palm Sunday... Jesus exemplifies what submission looks like. Palm Sunday is the day in which Jesus enters Jerusalem. Now, I imagine that as he's riding into Jerusalem on a donkey, he's probably remembering all the other times he had made this same pilgrimage to come to Jerusalem, not entering triumphantly on a donkey, but coming to celebrate Passover. And I have to think that as he's coming in on that Sunday morning, He's remembering back 20 years earlier when he was a 12-year-old boy coming with his parents, Mary and Joseph, to celebrate this same festival of Passover years earlier. And as a 12-year-old boy, he had an unusual interest in theology and spiritual things. And so he spent time at the temple engaging with the religious leaders. Well, somehow he got lost in the crowd and his mom and dad and the group they had come with began to go home. And somebody realized, hey, where's Jesus? He's not here, so they have to turn around and they go back and they find him and he's at the temple. And Mary and Joseph get upset with them. They're like, why have you done this to us? And Jesus says, well, it was necessary for me to be about my father in heaven's business. But then Luke adds this very interesting comment in verse 51 of chapter 2. After he says, I must be about my father's business, he says, he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. Now think about that for a minute. Jesus, who is the God that created Mary and Joseph, he's the one who knit them together in their mother's wombs. He's the one that raised them up and brought them together. Jesus is the creator God. He is willingly choosing to submit himself to these parents. K. 
Can you imagine a more mismatched situation than two parents, no matter how great and righteous and wonderful they are? Can you imagine two parents trying to parent God? Now, many of you have children. And you know what it's like with your firstborn. You're like, man, isn't there an instruction manual? Isn't there something to help you know what you're supposed to be doing? Can you imagine if that child was God? That would make the task rather difficult. But notice Jesus never sort of comes to devotions time and says, hey, I'll take over for now. <laughs> he willingly submits himself to Mary and Joseph. Are they qualified to be his parents? No, <laughs> absolutely not. No human is qualified to be the parent of God. Amen. But he willingly sub submits himself to them. Now, that was 20 years earlier. On this Palm Sunday, Jesus is also exemplifying submission. Because the reason he's coming to Jerusalem on Palm Sunday is because he's coming to die. He's entering into the city because he's following God the Father's plan. This was God the Father's idea. The idea that to rescue humanity, God the Son would become human. Would endure unspeakable suffering, rejection, and be killed on a cross. And as he's riding that donkey into Jerusalem, and the palm branches are being waved and everybody's cheering, he's thinking, five days from now, I'm going to be hanging on that cross. He does it because he humbles himself and he submits himself to the Father's plan. And when Paul says, submit yourself to one another out of reverence for Christ, the first thing he means is, is because Christ exemplified submission. If he submitted to earthly parents, if he submitted to his father, you and I have no excuse if we refuse to submit to one another. See, we may say to ourselves, but Jesus, you don't understand how unqualified this person is to leave. You know what his response is? Do you think my parents were qualified to parent me? It has no bearing on the subject. We may say to Jesus, but Jesus, you don't understand what I'm being asked to do. You don't understand how hard this is going to be to follow that leader where they're taking us. To which Jesus' response is, do you think it's really harder than going to a cross and dying? The point is, is that Jesus submitted to his parents and to God the Father. And now he's calling us to do the same. And Paul says, look, if you want to be a follower of Jesus, you don't get to pick and choose the parts of Jesus you want to follow. Jesus submitted himself, even though he was fully God. He submitted himself to human parents. He submitted himself to God the Father. And now he's calling on us to submit to one another. To be willing to follow the leadership of others. Whether or not we think they're qualified. Whether or not what they're asking us to do is too difficult or too hard. The second reason why Palm Sunday helps explain what it means to submit out of reverence for Christ is remember that when Jesus enters Jerusalem on the donkey, he's coming in as the king. It's true he's going to die, but that's only going to exalt his kingship higher. They're hailing him as king because that's who he is. 
And Jesus rides into the city of Jerusalem as king. On Friday of that week, he will die. On Sunday, he will be raised from the dead. And we're told in Ephesians that at that moment, God lifts him to the highest position possible and submits, same word we're talking about, all things under his feet. Which means that Jesus is now Lord. Lord of the world, yes, but especially Lord of the church. And because Jesus is Lord of the church, he wants his church to the run the way he's asking it to run. He's in charge of what happens here. And to submit to one another is to do so because this is the way Jesus wants his church to run. This is what he's asking us to do. So when we come together in our small group, it's the job of Lisa and I to follow the leadership of the couple Jesus has put in charge because he picked them for that job. He put us in their group. To refuse to submit to them is to refuse to submit to him. And he's Lord. That's why Paul says, look, submit to one another out of reverence. Literally, the word is fear of Christ. Jesus wants his church run a certain way and he's in charge. And those of us who out of pride or lack of humility refuse to submit to others are simply thumbing our nose at him. And Paul says, that's not a very good idea. Likewise, in the broader church context, there are men whom God has placed in the position of being elders, given them authority to lead Calvary Church. It's not because those men were more popular than others. It's not because they're God's favorites. It's simply because being qualified and willing to serve God selected them and put them in a position of leadership. And if you and I at this church are saying, well, we don't care what they say. We're going to do what we want to do. The person that we are rejecting the leadership of is Christ. We submit to one another out of reverence for Jesus as Lord. This is his church. And if he has put those people in position, it's our job to follow where they're leading. Now, we're not talking about committing sins. We're not talking about those who are leading us astray. But the point is... Jesus doesn't want our pride and our lack of humility messing up his church. And so he says to us, submit to one another because he's Lord and this is his body and this is the way he wants it to work. You see, the great thing about Palm Sunday is that all this is possible because Jesus was willing to submit. For you and I to have salvation, for you and I to have a relationship with God, for you and I to have a relationship with each other, for you and I to have forgiveness of sins, none of that would have happened without Jesus' willingness to submit. Amen. And so into the fabric of the church that he created, Jesus has written submission. That for us to engage with one another and experience true community, it happens only as we are willing to allow one another to lead. 
to recognize that God had gift, has gifted other individuals in ways he hasn't gifted us, that God has called people in ways he hasn't called us. And you know what? It's a blessing. I'm glad I don't lead our small group. It's so wonderful to come under the leadership of other people and to follow where they are leading. It's a joy to be in a community where people are submitting mutually to one another. That when we come to the worship service, I, just like you, can submit to those who are in leadership in worship. That I, just like you, can submit to those that God has made elders in the church. It's a joy. It's a joy to be able to do that. And so the 10th commandment of community is submit mutually. And I said that this is the close of our series. What I want you to take away from this is that God has said the most important thing for you and I as Christians is to know how much he loves us. And the way for us to know how much he loves us is to participate in Christian community. It surpasses knowledge. You can't sit in a bookstore. You can't sit in a library. You can't sit at home and learn it on your own. To experience the love of God, it must be experienced in community. And so God has said, look, I want you to engage in Christian community. And so we as the leaders here at Calvary are asking you, please, Come be part of some smaller group, an adult congregation, a small group, some serving community here at the church. Now, it's ironic that the last commandment is submit mutually. (laughs) This is where God is asking the leadership of this church to go. If you say, I don't want to go there, I don't want anything to do with that. Look, there's something not quite right about that. We are saying this is not something sinful. We're asking you, please. Be part of some smaller group so that you can experience God's love in the midst of community. I'm also urging that if you are part of a smaller group, if you are part of some community here at the church, the point is not community for the sake of community. The point is not just checking off a list, yes, I did what they told me to do. The point is God wants you to experience the power of community. And that's what these Ten Commandments are for. He wrote them in his word. They are eternal. The point is, is that take these commandments and don't just sit here on a Sunday morning. I know the temptation. It's the same for me. I'm writing the sermon as it is for you listening to it. Is to go, yeah, this is great. What's next? Instead, go through these with your small group. Take time in your adult congregation. Talk about them in your family. Go through them again. If we live this way, If we submit to one another, if we walk in the power of the Spirit, if we're light for one another, if we help each other avoid idolatry, if we love each other, if we speak encouragingly, if we talk truthfully, if we manage our anger carefully, if we give one another, we will experience the power of community and God's love. So please, don't let these just simply pass you by. Continue to think about them and meditate them on them, discuss them and try to live them out so that we might experience what God has for us. Let's pray together.